Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. Oh, yeah. Welcome in, everybody. Another episode of One Man's Opinion, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. Episode 7 today, and I'm super pumped up about this one. There's no sports going on. The coronavirus has us all in our bunkers. We're all afraid to go outside and to social gather. So I'll social gather with my main man, my BFF, my guy, Ted Schuster is in the building. What is up, Ted? Welcome to One Man's Opinion. I'm glad to be here. I don't know if anybody's ready for me to be uncensored. I have, <laughs> I have some radical yeah. opinions at times. Not quite Tommy G crazy conspiracy theory stuff, but I'm, I'm known oh, to be a little Tom. aggressive with my opinion. By the way, let's just start out right there. And by the, So here's the, the title of the episode is When Jeff Met Ted. That's going to be – we're going to do a Harry, When Harry Met Sally. We're going to get into our history, how we met, some stories over the years. I, I promised them the other day, Ted, that we'd tell the same, some St. Patrick's Day story, passing out in the bank lobby and stuff like that. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but – I mean, let's just start with Tommy G. What the fuck is going on with him? I love my guy, Tommy. Like, I do. I don't know what is going on. You know how many times I tell I'm like, are you serious with this shit? Like, he's going off a deep end that is quite spectacular. <laughs> I don't even know what he's – where he even comes up with half this shit sometimes. <laughs> but he does. I mean, it's it's something. I'll, I'll give him that. I mean, hey, as long as people are into it, feel free. Not my cup of tea. Yeah. He's crazy. Go listen to the No Mercy podcast, folks. Tell me how long you could make it through. It's wild. It's crazy. He was going after Oprah Winfrey yesterday. Like, he's just attacking Oprah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is even going on? Like you said, I don't even know half the stuff. But uh, it, it is quite crazy. And, Ted, you and I have known each other. Is it – what is it? Is it uh, 25 years at 25 least? 25 right? Yeah, 25 were we 16? 16 or 17. I mean, yeah, it's give or take. I'm trying to think of when I started uh, working at the old uh, Walmart. But, yeah. It, yes. It's been about 25 years, roughly, somewhere in that neighborhood. We met each other working. We worked together at Walmart. And that's, like, how we started. Uh, we met and all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about that. But it's like, all right, in 25 years, whatever, we have watched this happen before. Not Tommy Jim, not talking about, but we've watched our friends because we had a pretty close knit of friends um, those whole years. Guys that worked at Walmart, other guys we were friends with and whatnot. And we've kind of seen some of them, without mentioning names, go off the deep end at times. Like, when we just kind of sit back, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's been weird. And I think this current environment right now with the coronavirus and social distancing and all this stuff, we're starting to get. Like the cracks, if you had cracks in your 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 foundation, personality wise, I think they're all starting to like crumble beneath people right now. Do you notice that? Just beyond, people are just going bananas in many different ways. Yeah, you kind of that. I guess true colors come out in a way, it, and I've seen it, and I haven't really. I don't know the exact quotes from the movie The Joker. He's when the well, not the Joker from Batman when Joe with Heath Ledger, and he, he's talking about you kind of see everybody's true colors when. Uh, things start to fall apart and yeah, yeah. it kind of is that way I mean and that's it's true though in life I mean they won't make it to this disaster or whatever hell is going on here but um, it is true when things fall apart you kind of see everybody's true colors 
That said, you are uh, you you're so used to not having to bite your tongue when we're on Sirius XM in places where you can't quite go to the edge because, and we can tell some of those stories too. Times you've been reprimanded, sometimes I've been reprimanded on the radio over the Fire. years. Fired, literally. That's true. God, I, I'm thinking. I'm like the. I think I'm the Black Widow because, like, we had the Tommy G episode. He got fired. You've been fired multiple times. Uh, my first co-host ever, which I hope to get on eventually at some point, the Ryan Hallam was fired. It's like, am I just, is it my fault? I start thinking or what? Maybe it is, but uh, Ted, tell the folks how you're dealing with the coronavirus first and foremost. Like what, what is, what is your daily regimen since the coronavirus outbreak has happened? Uh, I mean, I still do pretty much the same stuff. My <laughs> gym is, the gym I've been working out, still been working out for three months, which is sort of maybe four Hold months. on. Yeah. The gym is still open? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> fuck. you got to be kidding me. Consider, and I'm probably going to miss this because record, we missed my workout today because recording this. But, yeah, it's it's because it's private. It's not a public. You can't just walk into the gym and work out. You have to have an appointment. So that's, uh, that's Really? <laughs> yeah, I've but, never. Dude, there is no gyms that are open in the universe that I know of. Like that is insanity. I, I'm very surprised by that. How many people belong to this gym? Total, I don't know. Like, there's all small workout classes. The other day, I was the only one there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, okay. but I mean, it's not. They take extra steps when you walk in there. You parel your hands. You wash your hands. You wash all the equipment when you're done with it. So, and in my case, I didn't have to worry about backtracking too much because I was the only one there. Um, besides the trainers, so yeah, it's they're taking steps to make sure it's clean. I mean. I I personally think we're overreacting to all this BS to begin with. So I'm sorry, I can't say bullshit. So I should say bullshit. Um, you can say whatever you want, man. That's... But it's overreaction to all this stuff. I mean, it needs to pass, and unfortunately, it's going to last way longer than it should. And it's going to destroy the economy. But people are going to not really realizing that fact. And at some point, we need to understand that there's going to be some sacrifice and some loss of life. But we can't destroy our lives for the next six months because we're afraid of getting sick. The, the fascinating thing about that is, like, you are hell-bent. It's funny. Two weeks ago, I sort of was in the mind, and I said it on radio and social media, and I got lambasted for it later, is that I was outspoken, I guess, against corona and the reaction. I said, there's been 20 different H1N1, swine flu, West Nile, mad cow, like, everything. And I'm like, this is going to be another one of those. And people are like, no, it's different and everything. And I was getting lambasted for that. Eventually, I saw, I'm like, all right, this is going to, the only reason this is different is that people have, are just hitting the panic button. Like the entire world has just decided this is the end of days and we're going to freak out. We're not going to deal with it. We're, we're shutting down essentially what everything did. And I did see that happening, you know, a week after I had publicly said that you sort of laid back in the cut and this is your move all the time. You weren't really... You didn't even consider the coronavirus uh, uh, two weeks ago. I mean, you weren't even – it wasn't even on your radar. You didn't think anything of it, right? No, because, I mean, it's the paranoia. I mean, I knew it was there, but it's fine. It's something you – in a way, we need to take seriously, yes. You need to, I don't know why now we, it's a big deal. You're supposed to wash your hands. We should have been doing it the whole fucking time. <laughs> How I mean, dirty are people? Oh, they're disgusting. I mean, I got a 13-year-old Fuck. son. I know how dirty he is and how disgusting he is. So, I mean, I get it. But, I mean, the fact that we just kind of forever said it was okay not to wash your hands and now suddenly we're all paranoid about it is crazy. And it's, it's one of those things that you just got to 
you got to be smart about and we don't need to shut everything down and the world doesn't need to come to an end and that's i mean and maybe this is more serious than some of the other stuff and it appears like it might be but the consequences to the economy are i i don't think people even understand because this is just gonna lead they to more don't. crime more depression more divorce more broken homes all that stuff is gonna go hand in hand with this paranoia of shutting everything down now hopefully in a couple of weeks we open everything up uh, i doubt it because i i would just because i they, they seem to took a s line in the sand and that's what they're going to do but we can't shut down the world for six months it's just it's going to destroy everything that we know and it, does that mean we're going to lose unfortunately a few sicker people that aren't healthy unfortunately yes but but that's we can't just shut everything down i'm sorry it's it's sad that we lose people but it's it is what it is we can't it's the life we've built now and unless you don't mind 10 percent unemployment and no money then then we shut it all down but it's a problem yeah major problem and it, it's fascinating to me because it's like one of the things you know you and i agree on is like and i think we have in common is sort of the upbringing where it's a survival of the fittest mentality i'm the youngest of five you're the youngest of five or six I'm the, I'm the middle of five. Five, yeah, you're yeah. the middle. All right, so uh, it's like we're both, but you had to kind of fight for everything you get, every scrap or whatever. We just have that same mentality. So it's like we're you and I, since we've met back in the day, which we'll get to in a second, there's always been a fight. Every day is a fight. Every day is a struggle. You always have to, you have to keep hustling. You have to keep going. This idea of just shutting down is so foreign to you and I that, it just is mind-boggling. I think I adjusted to a certain degree a lot better. And you're out there fucking like in the middle of the world, going to the gym. You're going into like businesses and restaurants. You're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. And it's just, you refuse to give in even a quarter of an inch, which I personally am fascinated by because eventually I feel like you're going to be like standing alone. Like I am legend or some shit. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I just, I, I grew up in a, I don't know, my mom was severely depressed as a kid, uh, tried to commit suicide several times. I mean, she was first hospital, I think she had her first heart attack when I was in sixth grade. She missed my eighth grade. Uh, she was my high school graduation because she was in the, in the nut house because she tried to commit suicide. I mean, I went to college. I'd come home, never know when she was going to be alive or dead because she was just so depressed all the time. She ended up having other health issues. She died a month before my my college graduation and did I give up or make excuses or did I fight through it? I fought through it. And that's what I'm going to do now. I just, I don't see a reason why you just give up on stuff or just woe is me. Cause that's just not, the, it's not how I was, I guess, built to, to be at this point in my life. I'm going to fight and continue to fight and do what I want to do. Any adversity is in today's day and age is seen as a negative. And I, I don't look at it that way. And I tell my kids all the time, like they always say, that's not fair. And I'm like, who who told you anything about fair? Like, I, I'm reading the Bible. I'll read the Constitution. I don't see any fair. There's no fucking fair. Fair is, doesn't, is, is a concept. It's not in a real ideology. Life is not going to be fair to you. And like you've mentioned, and we'll get into it here, you've had plenty of uh, obstacles in your life, and you've made it out, I don't know about clean, but you're, you're on the <laughs> other side one way or another. So let's tell a story. So you and I, uh, first of all, your background. So, I mean, growing up, you were, where were you born? Uh, talk a little bit about like you growing up before, uh, we met at Walmart. 
Uh, born in good old Dubuque, Iowa, so therefore I'm, people who listen to Sirius XM know that I'm a big Hawkeye fan, and you make fun of me for it, but I was born in Dubuque, uh, lived there my first couple of years. We moved to Des Moines, Iowa, so uh, that's where my my love for the Cubs, I guess, grew up because that's the AAA team and has been forever. Um, well, tell people why you're a Cub fan because of the Des Moines days, but why specifically? My, my mom is my mom's actually, he was always been a huge Cubs fan, so... Uh, across the street, we actually lived across the street from the mascot that for the, <laughs> the Iowa Cubs. He was the guy who was the mascot, so we got tickets all the time. So we, I used to go see Joe Carter, Mel Hall, Rafael Palmero back in the '80s. All those guys I saw growing up. So it's kind of, and a, a lot of Iowa people are Cub fans. Tend to be either Cub fans oh, or yeah. some are Cardinal fans. I mean, if you go to Wrigley Field, if you've been there, you've seen buses from Iowa just littered the streets because uh, yeah. there's not much else going on in Iowa. So that's kind of how I ended up loving the Cubs. The Iowa Cubs, one of the most popular minor league teams, franchises, most most valuable in the world as well. So you're moving around. Then you moved. You were in like New Jersey for a while. Weren't you out on the East Coast for a little bit too? Yep. Spent a few years in New Jersey. Um, I want to say three years uh, there, another two or three years in Pennsylvania. And then when I was like 12, we moved to Illinois. So in the matter of between... Jesus. Kindergarten and eighth grade, I went to I want to say seven different schools, so I moved around a lot. So yeah, I mean that's tough to do, and you hear about it with military kids all the time when they're moving from place to place. Seven schools in twelve years is absolutely insane. Eight years and uh, eight years. All right, it, it's, from nine uh, and twelve years, I went to two different high schools too to, to sprinkle that in there. So it's it, it's tough to move. Yeah, moving a lot is it's tough on the kids because you and I. I haven't really, but thankfully for my kids, they've got to stay in the same spot. But it's moving's tough on kids, especially when you do it a lot because they, they have to make a whole new group of friends. I know your kids did it a couple of years ago. It's tough on them to to adjust to a, a new area. You got to make new friends. Who they going to hang out with? Because knowing we both have teenagers, it, it's all about who they hang oh. out with. They hang out with shitty kids. They're going to be shitty kids. Yeah. Like, no matter what you try and do with them, that the, the, the in, negative influence by other kids is going to be a problem. So it's it's tough to move a lot. No doubt. And I think that's uh, one of the things that your independence comes from that in a lot of ways, because, you, you know, you didn't get to make a ton of friends every place you go because you're you're there for half a year, or a full year. And then you're going on for what? Why? I don't even know if I know this. It was it your dad's job is why you moved around all the time. Was that it? Actually, my, mom, my mom's job. She worked for was AT&T. It? So okay. uh, she worked for a company out in Iowa, a phone company. And then we moved up to New Jersey. So. Uh, and that's where their AT&T at the time was headquarters. I don't even know if it still is anymore. And then moved a little bit to Pennsylvania just to be, I think we bought a house at that point instead of being renting a house in New Jersey. So she still worked out for AT&T and then she got moved out to Oak Brook, Illinois with AT&T as well. So, yeah. So that's how you end up settling in Illinois. And then you're 12 years old at Illinois. That's where you sort of end up taking, you know, planting some roots and, and all that. So you're, what 12 years old when you get to Illinois sixth grade so yeah, I think it's 12 yeah yeah and uh so you plant your your flag there and you're going around by the way yeah your independence and stuff back to that for a second like that's where it comes from in a lot of ways because you learn how to like occupy yourself you learn how to like you know going through your own do you think that were you always into sports? Was it before the Iowa Cubs and all that where like sports was a thing or did you sort of just gravitate towards it to kind of just as an escape from the, the social weirdness that was moving schools all the time? 
always been obsessed with it. I mean, growing up playing wiffle ball constantly, basketball. I mean, that's uh, we didn't have the luxury. Of, I mean, not not necessarily the kids' fault these days. That we didn't have the cool games as much as they did, and how fancy yeah. they are with the graphics and all that. So we were outside all the time. So I've, even in the new neighborhoods we move into, we, and I have two older brothers, usually get the shit kicked out of me because of that. Um, <laughs> playing with older kids, but yeah, yeah. you just kind of hang out playing sports, and I've always loved it. Used to got into playing Stratomatic as a kid. Um, used to have my own NCAA tournaments and playing like two point, three point shootout with a garbage can in the corner. So things like that. Yeah. Card football. There's a, I mean, there's a little, have a single deck of cards. You can play some football. So yeah, I've always, sports always been an obsession. So, uh, much to my wife's dismay, but, uh, yeah. love sports. And I, I don't, that's why it's tough these last two weeks. And what the hell are you going to do without sports? Dude, that's funny. You said to your wife's dismay, it's the same here, except that like we've made, pretty much made careers out of it too, which is pretty fascinating. And again, we're, we'll get into this here as well. Um, how we've parlayed, like just obsession. I was the same way and my son's the same way. Like we just create a sporting event out of whatever own tournaments. I used to make up players. I remember looking at a sticker book one day that they used to have like all the stats and it was like 85. Mike Greenwell was not a thing, but I liked the name Greenwell and he became like my star player in like my made up baseball league, throwing the ball against the brick wall and shit like that. And then Greenwell became a star. And I'm like, yeah, Mike Greenwell, I knew him first. You know, I always thought that I claimed, I claimed that was my guy. But I think there's a lot of kids just are like that. They gravitate towards whether it's competitive nature, physical nature, aggressiveness, whatever it is, they gravitate towards sports. And uh, uh, I'm fascinated by that. Now, so what we'll take fast forward, it's like, Early 90s, when it was 93, I think, around, or 94, when we end up meeting. Talk about, we met at a Walmart. Um, I think you were hired there first, right? Talk about, like, getting the job at Walmart and what you were doing. Talk about Ted Schuster, the teenage years, basically. Well, the teenage years, was, it was sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I went to a small, pri a, a, a private school, Catholic grade school. Uh, freshman year, actually, because I grew up in Wheaton, so I went to St. Francis High School for a year. Uh, nothing, that piece of garbage school. Um the, the teacher, one of the, the gym teacher there who actually just recently retired and has hailed us some great track and cross country coach, uh, actually kind of promoted hazing. He'd, he'd, he'd laugh when the older kids would beat up on the younger kids. I just think it was funny. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. But, and then like, I had an altercation with him at one point uh, my freshman year and I ended up transferring to uh, Wheaton North for the last three. Uh, sophomore year, I got arrested. Um, <laughs> Wait, what were you arrested for sophomore year? Uh, I guess technically it'd be vandalism. Well, well that so, wasn't the thing with our friend, was it? No, that was yeah, that that was later. That you got to see, see Schuster like, for, oh, he's all goody goody. No, this is a bad motherfucker. Uh, what were you arrested? What did you vandalize? Well, I started hanging out with these kids, and they we would just kind of mess around after school, and then they started going from throwing apples at cars to throwing bricks at houses oh, Jesus which was Christ. just dumb we never got caught for that but then we on a regular basis we go to the, the local rec center and play basketball uh mm -hmm. and afterwards we kind of get sh get showered take get cleaned up and there's these bags of soap that are in the containers that you used to take a shower okay. people would they, some of the other guys would start taking those bags of soap and started throwing them all over the locker room and this Jeez. happened like probably four straight weeks and at one point we finally got caught even though i did fairly, i wasn't really involved in it and of course, you kind of find this is where you find out who your true friends are too. Is they threw oh. me under the bus 
uh, saying that I was responding responsible for it. So, Whoa. and parents got called, police got called. Uh, my dad, being the hard ass that he is, he says, "Well, he's gonna, he's gonna pay for this. He's not just gonna get slapped on the hand." So I got stuck wow. doing eighty hours of community service. I never got, I never got officially charged with anything, but my dad volunteered me eighty hours at the rec center, cleaning up <laughs> offices cool. and the gym and stuff like that to make up for by misbehavior so what a what a mess 80 hours so how old are you at that time i would have been 16 you're 16 then yeah so this is right around the walmart yeah. tape. wait i think i do remember you having to do shit didn't yeah i think i remember you having to were you at walmart when you had to like do some of this community service stuff it's possible because i was doing it for a while and i think i eventually only served about 50 of the 80 hours and my dad said <laughs> that was enough uh -huh. But uh, I think because at one point I had worked at Walgreens was my first job as a cashier yeah. slash stock boy. Got fired uh -huh. from that job for. Why'd you get fired from Walgreens? I was young, young, <laughs> young and naive. And there's quick change cash artists that always want change. And some, some dude yeah. came in and did that to me. And next uh -huh. thing you know, my drawer is short 100 bucks and I didn't even uh -oh. realize it. So and then they they fired me for it so that was a big to do and then that's how i ended up at walmart so i guess there's always a reason for things to happen because i got fired from a job ended up at walmart uh where of course i met you and our other friends and through another friend at walmart a co-worker i actually ended up meeting my wife so i guess getting fired sometimes is a good thing it's funny we we often talk about it like you uh myself some of our, our buddies gordo and rich and some of these guys um you know we taught and your wife obviously too like that's the fascinating thing is like this this time of our life really was pretty impactful and, sh and shaped us in so many ways because of uh, the way it all went so what so you get hired at walmart after walgreens and like you're there immediately do you remember um because I was hired after you. Do you remember when I was hired at all? Or do you, what was your first uh, well, witnessing of me? Well, you always worked because I started, I mean, I worked when I first got there and I, I was one of the better workers. You were, you worked a little more, you were more dedicated, I would say than I was. <laughs> um, imagine that. But I was still more dedicated than pretty much the entire store. Cause we, some of the guys will end up talking about later, uh, didn't work at all. No. stole the entire store the, the shit that they were pulling is fucking incredible so we just work in there and i remember you were always working but you for the most part didn't you would go out to lunch with us occasionally or go out on a cigarette break but you well, never do you remember here's the story well first of all do you remember my department i think you do foods jeff, <laughs> jeff and, and foods food. yeah i was ted and hardware jeff and foods <laughs> Yeah. So I remember the first the first time I actually ever met you or that you were actually going out. Uh, you guys were going to lunch with my buddy or our buddy, Rich, who, you know, we're all friends still to this day or whatever. But you guys like had a group that were going out, smaller group at that point. And I was working in the food department stocking or some shit and came by and Rich said something like smart alecky to me. And I looked at him with like, I'm like, fuck you. Like I, you know, I was a hard ass. I thought of myself as a hard ass back in those days. And I was like, I kind of looked at him like with a death stare. And uh um, and he goes, Oh, that's right. I think it was you. I can't remember if it was you or Rich. One of you just said, Oh, yeah, that's right. Jeff doesn't have a sense of humor. And, and I remember then you guys walked away. I'm like, okay. I guess like, how do I not have a sense of humor? I don't really understand. Because you were always working, and that's like people would <laughs> people would talk to you, but we would always be in your department talking to you while you worked. Yeah. Other people would leave their departments and just talk to people and mess around uh, yeah. and blow up 
clocks. I remember we had a competition in the hardware department where we would just oh, we take the cheap little five hour clocks and we would all punch them with cookie. I know. I think you've heard. <laughs> you've mentioned it before. Our buddy cookie. Yeah. How so much great. you can? How much you can blow up? the clock by punching it we'd cut our hands and stuff and we didn't care but it was just it was cool how big how big of an explosion could you make and that's that's the stuff we did while you kind of worked and still talked but you worked more than putting putting you around hardware tools and shit was a bad idea and cookie especially because cookie was in your department and he was all the smartest kid i think either of us have ever met and just like too smart for like the real world he's like another dimensional person that just like we'll talk about him, I'm sure, but um, but people like him. Though you mentioned how smart he was, unbelievable. It's the, that's an issue with super smart people. Sometimes yeah. they, I mean, they can be dumb in common sense, or they just don't understand truly what they're gifted with, and they take it take it for granted in a way. Dare I say? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's that could be a problem with smart people. I think he was a year younger than us, if I'm not mistaken, and like, but. He he, I have a book that he gave me called Paths to Otherwhere. It's about like multi-dimensional like jumping and shit. And that's like Tommy G's finding this out at four, at age forty-five. Like our buddy Cookie was doing this like fifteen. Like he just fucking had it all lined up and was doing it. It's it's pretty wild. Drugs and have I, something to do with that, don't they? Well, yeah. The Cookie, I talk about my friend who did heroin, and I was in his parents went out of town, and he's like, I got to get clean. Can you help me? Sure. I went and stayed at his his parents' house while this dude fucking threw up shit, shit all over. Like, I first time I think as a uh, you know, teenager, I saw a human being shit their pants and vomit and everything else and sweat. And I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't realize how fucked up he was at that time. But uh, heroin's a hell of a thing. But, you know, 72 hours later, he had gone through it. And uh, it was pretty, pretty fascinating. Um story you know witnessing somebody try out a heroin but anyway uh so we met at walmart so then yeah we eventually started hanging out and we start i started like you were when i first met you the thing to do at walmart was like go to smoke breaks because you wanted breaks you just you know we're teenagers we wanted a break no matter what and so like you were a hundred percent against smoking like you, you might be the last marble man standing at this point, but you were the last one of our group that actually started smoking. I think I was smoking before you, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I believe in the, and not that we hang out with the other guys a lot, or the other guys or girls. I think I'm the only one still smoking uh, yes. at this point. I hated it because yeah, my dad grew up a smoker, and he he he's still basically a smoker. He's 80 years old. Uh, I think he's been smoking since he was like 15. Hated Jeez. it. Couldn't fucking stand it. He sit in the car and just have the windows rolled up. And we, so a lot of us remember our parents. Yeah. Just cheech in the car. I mean, there's five of us in the car and he's got the windows rolled up, just full of smoke. And back in the day, we didn't care about secondhand smoker society. Didn't care. Oh man. Consider it. Yeah. I used to take his cigarettes and hide them and piss them off. And then next thing you know, (laughs) after, I don't know, a year of smoke breaks at Walmart, I'm smoking. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking crazy. And I was out there smoking, too, because I'm like, well, I'm taking these goddamn breaks. I'll tell you that much. I I see all you guys fucking going on breaks or whatever. So then we start hanging out. We were going to lunches and stuff like that because we worked like the 4 to 10 or 4 to 11 shift at Walmart at that point. Like we're going to high school still at, at that point. And then the Ted Schuster parties. Now, this is the this is where. 
like you separated your, you got into like another realm because then all of a sudden I remember one night where I was working at Walmart, we closed the place and they're like, yeah, party. Uh, you're going to the party. I'm like, okay, we're, we're party. It's like Ted Schuster's house. I'm like, like, is that dude in hardware? I'm like, all right. Like, all right. So I went over there. I couldn't fucking believe it was a rager. I mean, it was why I mean, pull up your house, your parents' house, obviously. And, fucking music and everything and i'm like there's fucking like 50 60 people at your house and then you have an above ground pool people are throwing each other out throwing that there's basketball going on there's fireworks and shit i'm like what the fuck is going on like this is a raging house party and uh your mom's sitting right in the middle of the whole thing like not minding at all it was pretty wild scene tell us about the schuster parties how those came about uh, she was, well, I guess one of the benefits of having a, a mom that didn't have it all to, there. I mean, uh, she did the best she could with us and she had a lot of demons inside. But one of the things with, with her psychotic drugs is she kind of was a, she was kind of always easygoing. Uh, the, the older era where you kind of let yeah. the, the kids drink, but probably a little too far gone where, because we'd have kegs. I mean, she'd buy oh, the yeah. kegs. So, I mean, we'd have, like I said, 50, 60 people there. She's shotgunning beers at some point with, with everybody. It's. <laughs> And my dad worked third shift, so yeah, he, he wasn't was a big fan. He kind of he knew stuff was going on, but he worked third shift, so he, he never was really around at <laughs> nighttime, so we could kind of do whatever we want. So next thing you know, you have 50, 60 people in the backyard with the pool and a lot of underage drinking, stuff that the, nowadays that we would dare pull off or I would never let my kids do. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. She you don't think they're doing it? You don't think your kids are going and – uh well we'll see they're not quite to that age yet they not quite yet. there yet we'll yeah, see my i know my daughter's been at parties where there's drinking she hasn't um and stuff like she she she's a goody goody which is good you know very happy about that but i know they've been there and everybody's vaping and everyone's smoking weed and stuff like that so that's huge out out here nowadays so my kids are starting to get into that vicinity too but what so what was the diagnosis of your mom what what was the what was her diagnosis she was a i don't know severe depression is what it came down to um i mean she was on drugs like um lithium which is a heavy Ooh. hardcore she was a big nirvana fan actually at that yeah because i mean she and she kind of got him because and she completely understood it because she was on all those hardcore drugs and understood the depression aspect of it and all that so that was her favorite band which wow. is so odd as a teenager to have your <laughs> your mom's favorite band is nirvana uh, that's yeah. they were blowing up so um she was always just i mean she had three heart attacks a stroke she had developed diabetes when I mean, she was just a, a goddamn train wreck um yeah but it's just one of those things and that it kind of just carried over and she didn't care i mean we were always responsible she always took car keys though at the parties she yeah, always, she, did. yeah. she took everybody's car keys when they arrived yep. at the party and she yeah i don't know how qualified she was at the end of the night to distribute keys back out but if we also, dude, well, she also no, dude she was great i'll tell you a story so one time i remember this very vividly it's fucking the next morning like five six the sun was coming up and i need to get home and i'm like all right i need my keys your mom hid the keys like when she was done and she was tired and going to sleep she hid them somewhere in the house and nobody would leave. And you had a parking lot. You had to walk like across the street into a parking lot. I don't know what, I don't know what it was, but that's where we all parked to go to your house. And you could do it overnight. And I'm over there. I'm trying to break into my own car because I'm like, I have to get home. My parents are going to flip the fuck out. And I, I had no keys. 
Could not find my keys to save my life. I eventually had to wait. I think I waited like eight or nine in the morning to till your mom got up and I, I got my keys back. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, all right, well, I, I, I got to uh, rethink this whole uh, getting sloshed at Schuster's house now because I'm not going to be able to go home. Well, yeah, and, she, uh, she was great about letting people sleep over too. Everybody. Oh, I yeah. Literally people there. all over the house. So. Um, but yeah, it would, uh, yeah, she would try. I wasn't always, I guess I always was too drunk to find out what she did with keys. Uh, <laughs> I don't eventually, because I would say more often than not, the cops would show up, yeah, uh, knock on the yeah. door. And then my mom sometimes drunk, but oh, it's quiet. And then they would come around. Everybody would scatter and hide, uh, hide behind the pool. And it's, Dude. uh, I remember when our buddy Cookie uh, brought his amp and guitar over, and we just, we were just jamming, and it was like the I was like just into the the music scene at that point, like in the you know from age fifteen to like nineteen or whatever. Um, and he brought his guitar over, and it was the fucking best. And we're just he's playing music, and we're doing requests and uh, singing and everything else, and it was loud, like really fucking loud. And the police came there. And I remember we were quiet for a little bit, and then boom, we came back and uh, we just fired it back up again. Um, it's funny because like your mom had the depression and shit like that. My mom also went through that, and there's so many similarities between our families are incredibly similar. We mentioned like the five kids, we mentioned like the parents working, and it's weird. My mom was never diagnosed because she would never go to a doctor at all. But like there's stories my sisters and that would tell of my mom trying to commit suicide, like hanging herself in the closet. And my sisters would run across the street to get the, the neighbors or whatever. And they'd come back and my mom would be like, what? what? <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Like fucking with them mentally. And my mom constantly did that, but she was a depressed person as well. So she didn't get on the drugs because she didn't go to the fucking doctor. So that's, it's just a fascinating thing. What depression can do. Cause it's, it's a, it's a slide that takes you, uh, uh, completely down and then the other thing that we have in common is that um you know we're graduated at this point you know we're actually almost all the way through college which we'll get to but our uh my dad had cancer since 1991 passed away in 1999 and i'll never forget this moment in my life where your mom you and everybody came to my dad's funeral in november and your mom sat there and looked me right in the eyes and said, goes, I really hope I'm not next. Because she had a heart procedure going in, you know, scheduled or whatever. And lo and behold, she passes away. And it, it, Ted, it was one of the most – it affected me probably more than my dad because my dad had like an illness. But your mom was a big part of our lives, big part of everything else. And when you called me, I think I was working on like the post office then. I'll never forget it. Like, holy fuck. I couldn't believe it. I knew what you were going through or whatever. And I think like your mom passed away. That's another bond we had like timing wise. That was uh, pretty devastating. Yeah. And th those are things that you could let crush you or you can fight through them. Uh, I think both of us chose to fight through them, but yeah, it's cause she ended up, she had like multiple heart attacks and it, she was having constant angina. Uh, so it's like the feeling of a heart attack, but not an actual heart attack pretty much to the point where she was hospitalized every two weeks. Uh, and they finally decided to try an experimental seizure up at the Mayo Clinic in yeah. Minnesota. Uh, I think it was the fourth or fifth time they've ever done it. They basically, they were cutting off her nerve endings off her heart, but they had to remove her heart from her body in order to do that. Um, so they had her on a heart-lung machine. They took the heart out. They did were cutting nerve endings so she didn't have the pain anymore. And then 
unfortunately i think the damage was done from the previous heart attacks that she wasn't able to uh she never kind of woke back up so it's it's kind of a scary thing when you you think about it and there's different things that um that go through your mind you just like that last time to say goodbye and you don't get it like because i didn't really at the time realize maybe that the seriousness of the procedure where i, I like and then you can you joke you harass me about sleeping and stuff like that but I'm, I'm not afraid to get up early like i didn't get up early that morning because my dad didn't want to wake us up to go before she had the surgery which is kind of something oh. you always regret because you didn't get to see her you could talk you to were her. in minnesota right yep yeah so, that's what i thought and that's yeah, just the craziness yeah, we had gone up there, and then she did. She made it through the, the night, but never woke up. And then the next day, passed away. And then, side note, I mean, and we we've talked about this on air, I think, or we briefly mentioned about players kind of battling through adversity. My sister played a college basketball game that night th- that my mom died. Yeah, she was just that. Just kind of, we grew up, and you harassed me too about going to my kids' games and all that stuff. That's kind of just what we do. <laughs> I think you're um, obsessed. Yes, even my mom and my. Her and her issues, my dad, they were at every sporting event for all five kids, pretty much every single chance they could be. And they didn't. Did all they, the kids play sports, though? Yeah. Uh, my uh, two younger sisters both played high school basketball. The one played in college. My dad would drive three and a half hours to go watch my sister sit the bench. She barely played in college. Yeah. He would still drive three and a half hours to go watch her sit the bench. That just kind of. Like, well, I mean, you, you were. Uh, um... I mean, because by the time we met, you were not playing in any sports at that no. point. You didn't play in high school or anything like that. So you're just you're freshman playing year, yeah. And I because I was freaking four foot ten. Yeah, you're tiny until as a freshman, and so yeah. I didn't grow and going to big schools just wasn't that opportunity. And I, probably, I guess I would have stuck with it because half the kids ended up dropping out because of drugs. But uh, uh, yeah, it just I didn't play a lot of high school sports. Just, un- just the unorganized stuff outside of high school. Interesting, because I mean, even your brothers. No offense, but I can't see your brothers playing sports. <laughs> Charlie, my brother Charlie was on. I think his team went downstate, finished third. Really? So yeah. I love Charlie too. By the way, but he didn't I mean, play. Like, I mean, not like he played. <laughs> I know, but I'm nicer to Charlie than you are. That's for damn sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's. See, that's the thing. Is like I look at you, and I'm like, yeah, Ted pushes his kids into sports, in my opinion. And I'm like, you, you're just you, you don't just, have like, to push. Actually- I probably could have mm. been guilty of that in the past, but I don't have to anymore. They really like my son's going fucking insane right now because he really? plays so many sports that this oh, last yeah, yeah, week right where he's not yeah. he doesn't have practice or a game. He just right. he's losing his goddamn mind. It's just like I'm sorry. I'm like I'm, I don't know. What you're, we have a bat, a hitting net that I set up in the garage. I'm like go hit in the garage. I don't know what you're going to tell you. I can't. I'm like we're just, there's no bat. There's no basketball court. He'd love to play basketball, but he'd love to be still be doing because the season's pretty much got cut two weeks short. But yeah. I'm like sorry, dude. I'm like. That's just they they've actually both, especially for basketball, have a dying love of it, which I'm not going to complain about. <laughs> you're, you're happy about. But, uh, um, yeah, I think that that's a whole different topic for you and I to discuss kids sports, because it's funny. We have the same exact uh, feelings for sports. And but I think we are completely opposites when it comes to how to deal with children's sports and stuff like that. Like, I'm I, I don't know what happened to me. Like, I. I just became against it i think there's shit from my childhood of uh from that i'm just like against it like i like my kids being active and playing sports my son plays sports and stuff like that but i i don't like give a shit like i go to these games and i'll mumble under my breath and i have my own inner monologue going but i at the end of the day it's like we barely even talk about it like it's just not something that uh, i push very very hard because i don't know why i think uh 
I know. There, there's, I need to be in a fucking psychiatrist's house because of that. Because I think it has to do with me growing up, my mom blaming me for every fucking thing. that Every loss we ever had in football, basketball, baseball for me, every loss from the time I was six was always my fault. My mom, oh, because my mom went to all the games. My dad never went. Every loss was my fault. I should have been doing this. I could have done that. I did that. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know. That I think that's still like part of my my uh psyche that uh has not left but anyway going back so we're partying at ted's house great we we all graduate high school um and then we like we worked how many years did we work at walmart it was several years i guess i feel like it was only a couple years but was it three at some point i had left and started working at home depot in college but i can't remember i I was gone by then when you yeah. guys all migrate, because I got real sick, because that, that was a life-changing moment for me, too, and also a defining moment, realistically, because um, – so we used to go – people always joke about this. Uh, we, we played softball. We used to play football in the parking lots of uh, Walmart all the time, so we, we were playing sports. We, You and I would always organize these events, but then we started playing basketball behind the DeVry Institute on Lake Street, right? We were doing that. You remember those days? We pulled up the car headlights and shit. Yeah, because they didn't have the lights. I think there's some lights in the parking lot, but not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing drunk guys. I remember playing that happening. Oh, dude. And then that was that was something. Um, it was a fight yeah. every time. Every time it was a fight. Yeah, it'd be like three or four o'clock. Three or four o'clock in the morning, we're playing basketball. It's like yeah, I don't yeah. Know. It's not, it's yeah. not what you, most people do, but I mean, I mean, it was better than the other times where we go back to either your place and play poker or Sean's place and play poker until God knows. <laughs> Gordo had an apartment and we were like, that was our fucking joint. We were just, we would do the same thing. Oh, we got to tell the story. We have to tell the story. I think one of the other bonding moments you and I had, we'll we'll get back to the basketball thing in a minute, but I got to tell the story because we were both at Walmart in this day and you were dating a girl. You remember this one? This is one moment where um, you were dating this girl who also, she worked at Walmart at that time, I think, right? She did. And, she was probably gone at that point. I don't think she she didn't work there that long. I know she might have. When I started dating her, she might have worked there, but she might yeah. have quit at some point. Yeah, and so you're you're dating her, and um, she like was either sick or something. Something been going around where this girl was batshit crazy. She yeah. told you. Um, I remember the stories like she told us a big sympathy thing. Her ex-boyfriend was abusive and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy shit. You know, we don't stand for that shit and everything else. And then, you know, so you dated her and things were going along or whatever. And do you remember the time that we did a spot check and showed up at her house? Did she call in sick to work that day? What was, do you remember that story? Yeah, I think she might have called in sick. Um, at some point, yeah, because her ex was abusive. Of course, that's the sob story she told me to, I don't know, mm-hmm. to get attention, and she would tell that to people, you know, off the record to get get it to get attention. Um, and then, yeah, I just remember checking because she lived not too far from where Walmart, Walmart was, so yep. checked on her on a, I think on a, I think a break, a lunch break, and at one point we show up there, and there's two dudes there. <laughs> well, I, let me tell us. Yeah, so she's home. I had my girlfriend's car at the time. I don't know what the fuck happened to my car, but it's I, and girlfriend turned into my wife. By the way, she had a car phone. Do you remember that? Like it was a car phone. It was the greatest fucking thing in the world because all we had is pagers back in these days. But there was a phone in the car, and you went and got her flowers. I drove you, 
And you're like, hey, it would go, I'm going to, you know, I was going to drop you off and then pick, go get food and pick you up or whatever. And we go to her house and like, she's not answering the door. So we call or whatever. And there's dude, dudes answer the phone. You remember that? And are screaming at you. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like two dudes are screaming at you and whatever. And you're listening and try to translate the story um, and all that. But yeah, there were two fucking guys like at her house with no parents or anything there. Yeah, and, and, and shockingly enough, she told the same stories about me that she told me about her ex boyfriend, and I don't, I don't know, we even know which one of the guys is necessarily she was dating or I don't know, interested in, but it's the yeah, same thing. It's it's a cycle with the psycho bitch. She would tell people how people were abusive in whatever manner to her, and that way she got attention and and people felt sorry for her, and that's so, the same thing that happened. I think I and I could be wrong, but th- tell me if I'm right or not. This that day, that particular thing is probably when you realized that I could be batshit fucking crazy. Because you remember how I reacted? At some point, you said chase. You chased the car, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I yeah. I went. I left the car. They were screaming at you, and they said something about you being abusive. And like I knew this whole story, and I, I and she's telling the same story, and I realized what's going on. And now I'm like, no fucking way. And I've been this way my whole life. Like I will not stand for bullshit lying and i and there's two dudes at the house i went we're in her driveway i left the car and i raced to fucking go in that door and then they had the door locked i started smashing in the front door of her house and i remember because it was a cheap ass wood door like a real thin like almost like you'd have it a bedroom nowadays like particle board and i'm a big guy at that point i'm smashing the door and literally like fucking hulk smash and I'm beating the door is disintegrating and they know what's going on. And these dudes are yelling and then they go out the back door. And I don't know how the fuck happened. I don't know how they got in or out or whatever, but they got in a car and then we got in our car and we fucking chased them um, down very popular route 53 back in the, there. But I, at that point, like I had lost my mind and I had seen fucking red and I like, shit was going to be dealt with at that point and i remember even at this point you were t- you were begging me like just dude dude it's, it's okay it's okay no big deal i'm like no okay no, we're not okay and i'm just in my bananas like crazy mode and you're i could tell eventually i'm like okay i gotta calm down because uh, ted's uncomfortable well, yeah, <laughs> not only have you been accused of terrible shit yeah. or, or being abusive or whatever she was saying but like uh, now your friend, I'm going bananas. I'm going to get us arrested. Yeah, chasing after the the, the dudes in the car. Yeah, that's a great way to to make it look like <laughs> like I'm innocent when I were chasing down some random dudes. So yeah, that, yeah. that was that was something. And I remember them coming at some point in the future, like another yeah. right, a couple weeks. They came to the Walmart. Yeah, and then I kind of I think at some point I I finally talked to the, the dude that I guess was her now boyfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. and we had discussion. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that story too. I guess I was abusive. Let me guess. I'm like, yeah, because I've heard that story, the exact same story about her ex-boyfriend before me. So it gets and you know what? That story is gonna be told about you next when you guys break yeah. up. That's just that's how the story works. I'm like, and she does it for sympathy and attention, and it's it's pathetic and sad. It really was. And it's it's shame because you know, we bought it hook, line, and sinker, wanted to support her and everything else. And then she turns it around, is like, wow, holy fuck, like you're out of your mind. Um, and well, if you- I'm not mistaken that did happen didn't she do that to the guy too like yeah a year oh, later or something yeah yeah for sure and then i remember and it was i don't know how long it was after that all that went down and then i had started dating my 
my wife, who was the girlfriend at the time, we ran into them, or she walked into our Portillo's just randomly. This was another oh, couple wow. cities away, and we were, and she ran, walked in right at, and saw us in line, and immediately booked out because, and my wife, she's a little psycho in her too, <laughs> which Jeff knows. Oh, yeah. uh, she wanted, she was going to beat the ever living shit out of her, and yeah. that's because she had heard the stories, and I'm just like, and thankfully the she ran away, and I don't think I ever saw her again. Yeah, um, dropped off to face the earth at that point. So that's when you probably realized I was a fucking psychopath and that uh, I had that streak inside of me. And then we fast forward to later years where we're playing uh, basketball or whatever. And the story there that I'll say is, um, so we're playing basketball. And one day I was sick. Remember, I called in sick to Walmart and I rarely called in sick to work. I never did. And then somehow you guys are on the phone and we're talking like, oh, we're going to play. You're going to fucking play. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'm showing up. Why not? Play, we played basketball behind the DeVry late into the night, whatever. And I come on. I felt great during this stretch. I was sick as a dog before that. Felt great during that. Come home. And when like all the adrenaline settled, I realized like, oh, shit, I'm really sick. Like I'm like beyond comprehension sick everything's like I'm passing out on my feet kind of thing. I had to wait for my parents to get out because to live with my parents at that point, I waited on top of the stairs. And when they saw me, I was literally green, like green. And they woke up at like four or five in the morning to get their coffee. I said, I had to go you know, doctor or something. Went to the doctor, long story short, uh, doctor had to rush me to the hospital. My appendix had burst. My appendix had burst for over 24 hours. At that point, so before basketball, and they said you get an adrenaline burst sometimes, your body is trying to keep up. I played fucking hoops with you guys while that was happening, and they ended up, I was in surgery for like six or eight hours. I was in the hospital for two or three weeks, you know, in intensive care for a while or whatever. And I'll never forget the, like a defining moment to me is that one time I'm in and out, I have tubes in my nose and I think I had a vent on it or I'm not sure exactly at that time. But I remember like waking up or whatever and it was like you, I believe it was your uh, now wife, obviously. And then it was uh, our buddy Rich and uh, his then girlfriend. Whatever. You guys are just standing there hanging out, whatever. And I thought, you know, I'm sitting in the bed. When you're in a hospital bed like that, you're like, Nobody's calling you or anything else. That was a big moment. I'm like, all right, these guys are down. Like, these are my real friends here because uh, that is, I was fucking, I was literally close to death. That was. Well, it's, it's hard to get a hold of, back in that day, we only had pagers. Um, yeah. Because you, you were basically septic after playing basketball. Yeah, I think the reason shot. why, when you played basketball, I think, because you weren't feeling well when it started, I think it burst at some point during the game. And when it happens, I think the pressure was just released and you don't feel the pain as much. And then that, of course, led to the infection inside the body. But, yeah, I remember calling the days after. And and I think eventually your now wife, the girlfriend at the time, Lisa, called us back. I think I left several. I'm like, oh, what are you fucking dead? I think yeah. I left that message like three straight oh. days. Because like we, it was like six days before we heard anything. I'm like, yep. where are you? <laughs> we haven't heard from you. And then, and of course, the pager was the only really communication we had back in the day uh, where you, you actually yeah. had to call somebody's house back in the day, which was always yeah. interesting because we couldn't call your house too late. I think you had your own line at that point. Too. I did have my own line at that so point. So nobody would answer the phone. So right, I was right. like, fuck, how do we get a hold of them? And yeah, yeah what the fuck's going out. on with this guy? Finally, like we found out uh, from your uh, girlfriend, yeah, that you were uh, almost died. 
fucking it, it was it was bad it's the point like and that point they, they left my gut open because that was like what their their surgery was they had to take part of my colon my intestine like all that shit i had to be gutted essentially 18 years of age at that point and uh they left it open and that's another thing is my wife or girlfriend at that time she and my mother would have to use dressings they would have to rinse sailing in a rag and put the rag into my in like lower stomach like it's fucking insane they never do that shit this was like a one i've researched it in the years since they did this for like a two-year window where this is how they treated with like intestinal surgeries they don't do that shit anymore and of course fucking lucky me at that time but uh oh yeah well, that was a bad take out half your coin so yeah <laughs> and some intestine and everything else so it's not like you didn't have a minor surgery and that that's i i had my appendix removed i think when i was 12 or 13 and yeah. like nowadays when you have it done they put a couple little incisions and you're done mine's like a six inch scar that's the other thing uh i guess we're dating ourselves with our age but Old. you 20 somethings out there 30 somethings probably get quite the scars we got when we had surgery laparoscopic yeah speaking of uh, we'll tell that story about me and softball speaking of scars my whole fucking people like well your forehead i fucking whatever 57 the reason you don't have an eyebrow is because of softball it's literally because i got it ripped off i thought my whole eye we'll tell that story eventually but so like that's that was the defining moment and like all right these are friends that i'm gonna have for a long long time and sure enough that sort of happened i think 98 ish around there something like that i think uh is when i had that surgery or no no it's 96 or seven i don't fucking remember but anyway so we're we're doing that we're hanging out at gordo's apartment and playing video games and poker like we were way into poker before it was a thing way yeah. before the the stakes aren't as high as <laughs> we thought at the time but they were oh, high dude. to us at the time because we didn't have any money so do five but if we lost if somebody lost five bucks everybody would be like oh dude i feel so terrible like that was a you got destroyed if you, we lost five bucks we didn't have five bucks the reason we worked at walmart by the way People, you guys can make fun of it all you want because you fuckers think Walmart in today's day and age. Back then, I was working at service merchandise getting $5 an hour, right? I think, you know, you, what were you making at Walgreens? Like four something? Four Probably, something. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, what did we get? Seven bucks an hour at Walmart. It was the fucking best. Like, oh my God. We were the wealthiest people our age because we were making seven bucks an hour. And once people learned that, everybody wanted a job at Walmart. So it was like a waiting list. To do yeah, that. it was a demanded, yeah, highly demand job because yeah, you got paid better than the other shithole jobs. I think I ended up leaving eventually because I think Home Depot started. That was yeah. when Home Depot was growing like a monster uh, back in the day. That that they started paying a little money, so I ended up leaving, and some of the other people had kind of trailed off. But yeah, Walmart was was the shit back in the day. After the uh, and we kind of ran. In fairness, we ran the store and got to do whatever we want. So yeah, it was, it was wild, did, man. I worked at Hardware. We used to the paint booth that we had. That thing was not destroyed. At I, one point, we were playing football after hours, like in a day we had to close or something. And I remember, like, I was throwing at the cookie, and I hit a sign, the hardware sign, and I it shook or whatever, like, oh shit! I can't remember. Was it you or who was somebody else? Then I, when I had hit it, it evidently like unhooked one of the things. And then later on, we're playing football. We're throwing it all. I mean, guys, we're going across the entire store over all the aisles and then chasing it and shit. And then somebody hit the other side. That fucking sign, whoa, bam, came down. And you didn't realize how hard, how 
heavy those fucking signs were, it was like a 150, 200 pound sign crashing down. It literally severed a, an aisle of hardware, like paint or whatever. It went through the fucking cast iron shelving, came down, boom, boom. We're like, uh oh. <laughs> we got in big ass trouble with that. And then we got in trouble with that. And our store manager, we went and egged this house the yeah. couple days later. Yeah, that, that was a grand idea, too. It probably took us three hours to find it. But uh, <laughs> back in the day when we didn't have GPS, it wasn't like you could just go on the Internet easily and search up somebody's address. No. Uh, it was a little more challenging at that point. But, yeah, that was uh, – that one reason we stayed there so long, I think, is because we had, we had a pretty good control of the store and kind of six yeah. of us would go on lunch together and there would be nobody yeah. in the department. And yeah, it's, but it was, it was fun. We had a lot of fun just hanging out after the after hours. We, I mean, there was times we'd go to our buddy Sean's, play poker all night or play video all games. Yep. Um, NHL 94. Yep. And then I would get, get home and, uh, cause I graduated a semester early from high school too. So I had like January till September oh, yeah. before I started college where I had basically had, I worked at Walmart and that was it. So I could, <laughs> sometimes I would work at Walmart or if I wasn't working, I'd go out with the girlfriend, drop her off and then go to Sean's. Yeah. Um, we always did that. We, we would drop our girlfriends out and then go to Sean's all the time. Every it worked night. out After perfectly because they both had curfews. <laughs> they had curfews. Our parents didn't even give a shit what we did. No, no possible. Nobody knew where we were. I could have been on the moon. Nobody knew Ted, same thing. I think. Dropping and, uh, off yeah. our friends at Walmart the next, like a Saturday morning. Cause they're drunk and we, they had oh, to work yeah. and oh, they would yeah. pass out in the car and, yeah, all the time. <laughs> Dropping him. It was always our buddy Rich, because <laughs> he fucking worked early on Saturdays. Like, God damn, yeah. dude, what do you think? And he loved the early shift. It's like, you, but he's he was the biggest drinker I think of all of us. Like, dude, you're never gonna be right. That I don't was, know, biggest uh, drinker, biggest lush. So he couldn't. Yeah. He didn't do a very good job of managing his liquor. So <laughs> no, not at all. So I mean that happens. So we're we're doing that, and then there's the college years and shit like that. And then we're we're getting older, and it's there is this period of time where I get married first. Um, that goes on. You're in my wedding, obviously, and all that. Then you get married the following what, like a year and a half later, yeah. right? And then both to our girlfriends from that time or whatever. And then it's like, all right, we start you know buying houses. I bought a house kind of northwest, like way out there. You bought way southwest, kind of thing like that. And we're we're doing that still commiserating or whatever but real life starts taking on a little bit then i have a kid my daughter is now graduating high school it shows you how long ago that is but you still fucking raging at that point like you end up having like parties and you have like a flashback to ted schuster the high school years yeah there was a lot of yeah our house was the party house because we were one of the few people i think that actually owned a home at that point and uh I think some people still had an apartment or live with their parents. We were early 20s, like 20 to 24 yes. at this point. Yeah. So we were, I mean, at that age, most people didn't own homes. So right. yeah, we would just, we'd go out to the bars and then we'd stumble back or just have people over and things would happen at the house. So I mean, um, futons got broken because random, there's constantly random people hooking up in the house. Constantly. Constantly. They're fucking everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. People are fucking. You had to walk into Ted's and there's like people fucking on the fucking on the uh you had a little uh uh concrete front porch and there's people fucking like <laughs> what is going on who the fuck are these guys i remember walk i remember walking one time upstairs and your brother's dicks out like <laughs> what the fuck is going on what are we in i mean and then you look at the table there's like ever clear and shit I'm like oh okay well 
There'd be I people like, that, w- that we would know, but we would both know. I'll say his name. One guy was named Billy. I, I haven't talked to Billy. <laughs> he didn't talk to, to this girl the entire night. Next thing I you know, I opened the bathroom door to go to the bathroom, and he's eating her out on the on the on the sink on toilet. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, on the sink. Yeah, because there's another meat. one. I had never known what a blumpkin was. And then all of a sudden, I walked in. I went to the bathroom. I used to have to go to you. You remember, you're like, there's a bathroom in a spare room. And I'm like, I go in there, and there's one. This girl, Lynn, who, uh, again, we'll never hear this, but she's blowing a guy on. He's taking his shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What is happening? I'm just like, oh, sorry, gentlemen. Like, I'll just go piss in the yard because I'm a, some sort of fucking animal. It's like, Wow. What I mean, you turned it, and this is like, like I have a kid now, I have a mortgage, I have all this, I'm working full time for the government. I was at the post office at that point, and it's like, fucking, you, you're you're just having a fucking frat house, That's yeah. Like, basically, we had right up because we, we had at that time, I think it was a two bedroom with the finished basement, so um, we only used the one room, so people would do whatever the other, the second room or downstairs in the futon that I mentioned before. At some point, the futon got broken um because people were banging yeah and then this was and i think the last straw with this girl that happened to be the the last one on it was only like 100 100 pounds so i don't know what was going on that night but uh there'd just be constantly hookups and people in their spare bedroom swinging out comparing dick sizes and with multiple girls in there constantly (laughs) constantly out of control and it was fun though i mean we had a blast so it was and then you ended up having kids and the whole party stopped at that point then then the people revolted against you because it was no longer a party house it took a lot longer for some of our other friends to kind of grow up and, and get out of that party mentality oh which you know we did it young but i i really like having kids young at that point i was kind of jealous of all you guys because you're still going or whatever for another year year and a half or whatever but man i I'll take being stable and sort of free of children in a way in our 40s over partying in my 20s. The 20s, we were broke. We couldn't really do much of anything. Now it's like so much better, in my opinion. Do you have any? You, yeah, you, I would. It's nice to have them young. I mean, it's hard because financially, uh, yeah, setting yourself up. And it wasn't once you start having kids, it's tough because when you're Wife can't work full time, and you're not making the extra second income. That makes things a little rougher. Uh, but as you get older, too, it just as you get older, we're, we're both 42. Uh, my youngest is 13, so by the time I'm 50, he's going to be 21. So I can still enjoy myself. So uh, as long as I don't kill myself um, or die of Corona, uh, I'll be fine. Well, you will die of Corona or heart or a fucking lung disease. Fucking hey, I've been, I've been actually working out, losing weight, so. It's going in the right direction. Try to. But yeah, being 50 and having kids that are adults is going to be, I think, a lot easier too. So there's that aspect of it as well. So. Dude, there, there's guys that we hung out with, some of the guys we mentioned in this podcast that are just having kids now. It's like, oh my God. I couldn't even imagine. Like, oh man, babies and diapers and holy shit. It, it just seems like what a monstrosity that would be. Um to do right to do over right now so like uh, you know, when you're younger you were, too not getting any sleep i mean you don't get fucking sleep because you're inhuman but right. the average new parent doesn't get a lot of sleep because you, the kids don't sleep through the night and it's a lot easier to handle when you're 25 26 27 than you are when you're 40 you just, you, your body recovers so much easier and we're having you know kids in early 2000s like 
all that good stuff. But at some point during there, like um, I, I was fortunate. I ended up like getting lucky. I, I had to go back to school because I had to take medical leave, went back to school. I started a company out of my garage, just a nothing little thing that ended up getting popular somehow and had like, oh, I just got a little in a PC repair. I ended up selling for a good amount of money. And all of a sudden I had a little bit of coin flipping around. And I'm like, I remember going to you, you, me, and a couple of our other friends. And I'm like, all right, we're starting a fucking business. Cause I realized like, all right, we got to do something different at this point. And at first we started a, a whole different, like a childcare thing that didn't work out. I still want to do that someday, by the way, but it'll never work out. And then we settled on, you know what we should do? A fantasy football website. Because at that point, like 2004, 2005, this was a novel concept. Like, there weren't a lot of sites and people out there. Like Matthew Barry wasn't even big quite yet. You know what I mean? Like this was a long time ago. Um, you remember how we settled on, hey, we're going to go into fantasy sports? Yeah, we kind of, we should, we're we going to do, we're not going to do the baby book thing ever. <laughs> that was the initial Something. idea. Now it would be easier though. Electronically, it would be so much easier. God damn. Yes. We had to, we were going to have to make books and that would have been a fucking nightmare. But yeah, it would have been a nightmare. But yeah, the football, yeah, we just, hey, let's start a fantasy football site with our buddies. And um, naturally, some of them didn't work out the greatest. But uh, yeah, everybody seemed all 100% into it. And then the work had to be done and it changed. It changed the whole dynamics of our uh, friendships and, and things with people. We went into business. We decided, all right, we're going to go into business. Everybody that we know, our inner circle, and it's going to be great at that point. But why did we settle on – we did the baby book, but why – like we went to fantasy football. And, I mean, think about that, those meetings in like, you know, parking lots, McDonald's parking lots that we had. And then – um uh, I remember our buddy Gordo's basement at one point. Like, we're many, did you ever think, honestly, like that someday we'd run a company that you know makes quite a bit of money? You know, Lee Sports Network, we make a you know, millions of dollars. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I knew. I mean, we we did it because we were all interested into it. And we were big into. We've had our home league to go in, and we've been doing it forever. But yeah, I don't think I ever thought it would. I don't know if I ever thought it would make real money. Um, down the line i just kind of did it it was a fun hobby so and it, it turned out to be a little bit more than that but yeah i don't i don't know if i ever had anticipated it being anything bigger than what it is or as big as it has been because i think that's another fascinating part about this so we start the business in like 2004 we're starting it we're doing it you know and then you know i built the website like at that point i'm the tech guy you remember how fucking weird is it to think that i'm the big tech guy of the mid 2000s because you asked me to do a site now, like I would, you know, I'd buy an off the shelf product or some bullshit, but I was actually designing it using Microsoft front page. Remember that? Yeah. Do we, you still, yeah, I wonder if it'd be cool to see the old, see the old look of it. I don't know if you still, you, you keep everything. So you might've kept something on it. But. I have our old t-shirts and I do, I have an old hard drive with all of that. Yeah, I do have it. It'd be I fun have just to pull it up. I mean, I know the site domain, we probably don't, I, we might own it. Still. I, I still own it. I, it got bought. And I and it, somebody bought it, scoutfantasyfootball.com. That's what it is. I rebought it like probably only like five, six years ago. Like they, somebody ran a site on it for like five years. And then um, and then boom, they they let it go or lapse or whatever. And one day I just got the notification because I said it 
you know, to when it was available and shit. So yeah, I own it again. <laughs> That's our next stop, Ted, when uh, we get fired from here. Our next and final stop, scoutfantasyfootball.com. And all the things you ever thought you'd do in your life, how far down the list was uh, major market radio, national radio? Uh, to me and to everybody, it would be the furthest thing on anybody's mind. Because I'm not, and I, we've talked about this on it, I'm not a host or the guy that people want to listen to. Like I could talk for an hour straight. People would be like, Jesus Christ, this guy's boring as fuck. I, I hear it all the time. You fucking mumbles too much. Things like that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, but I, I've, and I'll, the mumbling thing, I'll just blame it on my family because my entire family fucking mumbles. Uh, from my dad uh, to my four other siblings. They all fucking mumble. So that's my brother that you really don't know well, Mark. That guy, you can't even fucking understand a word he says. It's like fucking <laughs> talking to the the, the dude from uh, Waterboy, the Louisiana guy. You just can't oh, you don't yeah. fucking stand a word he says. You just, <laughs> what? what the fuck did you say? But he's the worst. But I don't really talk to him anyway, so I can rip him all I want. Um, but yeah, so that that's part of it. Yeah, and, and I was... Cr- because I moved around so much, you got to, especially when I got to high school, I was quiet, reserved. Oh yeah, fucking hated public speaking. My daughter, like my daughter, doesn't like public speaking. She's sixteen, and I'm like, you've got to get used to it. And I never in a million because I would tell people, oh, you're on the radio. Especially people that even had a for, knew me a little bit from high school, they're like, you're not in the fucking radio. There's no fucking no. way. I'm like, but and it works the dynamic we have per se. But I, and I know I'm not, like I'm not. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of who other has been. People's sidekick that's gone off and do their own shit. That's not going to be me. I'm never going to do my own shit. You're not a stuttering John or somebody like that from Howard or like... Uh, Who's the drug addict that Howard had? Uh, oh, Artie. Artie, yeah. Artie Lang. Yeah, that's yeah. never... I'm never going to be... Uh, that's never going to be me. But yeah, so it's it was way down the list and people still think, you do radio? Because I'm still... I still have a problem with mumbling at times because I try and speak too fast. And, just and they, they yell at you on Sirius all the time about that. Oh, like, yeah. I got fired from it at one point for it. Yeah. A couple times, I think. Yeah, probably. Well, a couple times. That's what they say, like the mumbling or whatever. And I got fired for doing my Howard Stern shit, according to them. You know, and it's one of those deals where it is what it is. But I, I, you know, what you said there, I think is important. I think it's a dynamic that works. And people don't realize it in any kind of relationship. Like, And that's the thing is we've grown older into our 40s now. Like we're different people entirely than we were when we were 15 or 16. Like it's a totally different. I'm not nearly the same people a, a person. And the journey has been pretty fucking crazy. There's a lot like we're skipping over things. And obviously, but I've been through a lot of shit. Ted's been through a lot of shit. And it's, it's fascinating that we're completely different people really than we were in those days. Most of the part. And uh, yet we still get along well because I do think our dynamic uh, does work for whatever reason. You know, it's just one of those things. Like on the radio, it that doesn't work. And I've had other partners and co-hosts and, and before when we I used to do a podcast that was successful, and whatever. And you know, it was like fighting for airtime and fighting for talk. That doesn't work. And you know, I think it just works better because I could play off of what you say or don't say even, I could play off different things. I could also take on, I can go personal with you without you getting as mad as you would if somebody else did with smoking or whatever it is. And it's, you know, okay, it's not that. It's like that chemistry can't be replaced. And most people, um, most people don't have that. And that's only made over long periods of time when you've gone through all this kind of shit like we have. Yeah, there's different different things that happen. We've had 
screaming matches at each other, either oh, on air yeah. or on break. And, and that's oh, the other yeah. thing, too. We, we're not one of those pe- – they're not those people. And I think this is more to a guy thing than a girl thing. Guys can yell at each other and fucking scream at each other, tell, oh, tell yeah. them to fuck off, and they don't really – and we'll, the next day we can talk. Girls oh, yeah. or women are just kind of – they're so catty, and they hold it against each other for so long. Um, but and, and that's part of it. I think part of it, too, is just – knowing and i guess from my experience i guess to portray to people that i know some people want to get into radio and some people don't um some people want to be their own host and quite honestly there's a lot of people out there that shouldn't be hosts that want to host it just that's not your side it's not your thing maybe find the right chemistry with the partner that that works but you're not there's i don't listen to a lot of solo radio for, for me personally it's just not something that i find entertaining too but some people think that they're going to be some they want to be some superstar radio host but they suck at it and they're always going to suck at it. And you can work hard on it. That's fine. But you've got to understand, know your, I guess, know your lane. Um, and a lot of people want to be something they're not capable of. Yeah. I mean, and it's great to dream and all that good stuff. But um, you have to, it has to be in, in you. You have to have that skill set. And everyone's born with a set of skills. When we were raised or whatever, you, you have skills and you got to use those and invest in those. We all dream. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a singer. I, dude, I used to play guitar and bass and all that. You weren't around much when I was doing that for some reason, right? It was like, I remember our buddy Rich would go, but you really didn't go to many of my shows. No, I mean, because, yeah, my the, the wife would, the, the, the girlfriend at the time would bitch. Because she had this, such a tight curfew, too. She did not like when I was. Oh, we had to go to the city, yeah. Yeah, she did not like when I was able to do things and she wasn't. But, <laughs> she's grown up since then i think but she was quite the quite a, bitch, quite a big bitch about it the first couple of years i'm not gonna lie but uh so i used to do that and there was a period of time when honest to god like for real i thought well fuck it i'll just sing and uh, we all know now we make fun of it on the Thank show god every day yeah. no shit right and yeah you, you're a, you fucking like ears bleed when i even attempted but that was like a real there was a period of time where it was like all right because I had the personality and would be the front guy that I would be the singer. And this just wasn't good. And this like, you, I want to be that. I would love to, I'd love to have the voice of an angel, like a Chris Chion or something, but uh, not, uh, not in the cards for me. You got to go into your skill set. But I mean, how crazy is it to think we started out this little site, scout fantasy football. We're working our way up. And eventually like you would talk about you and I getting in screaming matches, which we've done many times. But every single one of our friends and relatives that we hired for that company all fell by the wayside because just either wasn't what they wanted or wasn't weren't willing to make the sacrifices or or what have you. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't want to put in the work. I mean, I remember uh, call one of them out specifically, our buddy Rich. At one, <laughs> one of the first meetings we ever had. At some point, the meeting was running too long. He's like, I got to get home to my kids my wife uh, like and we all had wives and kids too that's well, that, he fucking hated his wife though we all knew it <laughs> so it's like yeah you gotta get home to your wife but you can't stand her so what, what kind of crock are you we know this already you can't stand your wife so don't tell us oh i gotta get home to my wife and kids oh, boy, it's bullshit. It, it was bullshit and he would even admit it now he's like yeah i did he got divorced his credit he he got, got, like, oh um, yeah that that now you want to tell stories We've got story. If we want to go blow this thing up, we got some fucking stories to tell about that period. Holy shit. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, so like, he didn't want to be home and it's it was a fighting. It's like 
tugging there. People didn't want to make commitments or whatever. And like I was working full time, Ted's worked full time. We worked full time through all that, and we made like almost no money. We were getting. I, I remember I, I signed a, a deal with some company for advertising remnant ads, and at that point, they like gave us fifteen thousand dollars, and we're like, "That's it. We fucking made it to the top." And I didn't realize that that fifth you had to have so many page impressions to get to that. And we, to this day, I don't think have ever reached that that number. Um, from our scout site, it just never happened. We ended up selling that company, going to work for another, oh boy, crooked organization there. Then we worked, then we opened our own shop again briefly before we finally landed a fantasy alarm, which finally gave us some direction because we had good people around us and we were able, and they were just starting out. And, and like that was the, the changing point. Like, but we worked for like five or six years, Ted, without making barely any money, if, if at all. Yeah, and it, I mean, as much as we thought we knew business-wise, there was a lot to learn. Um, and then, like I said, going with the crooked play, the crooked guy that kind of just was a waste, complete waste of time. Thankfully, that didn't last too long. A um, year. But, and then hooking up with Fantasy Alarm, Al Williams and company, it, you kind of ran into people that had a little more business sense and kind of understood um, what was going on and didn't have the desire to kind of, I guess, didn't want to be in the spotlight yeah exactly. there wasn't... yeah where certain people thought they should go back to people who want to who want to be hosts and think they're the greatest thing in the world and just really aren't that good at it and trying to take away spotlight so that that helped a lot yeah and that's the thing and that that's the defining moment again it's why relationships work why dynamics work in between people and we in professional sports or all sports we see it with teams like you could have all power hitters in a lineup one through nine, and that's great. But who's getting on base to hit the three run homer? Like you need guys on base. You need to be able to score runs even when the power's not going or the wind's blowing in. You know, you you need a team, the best teams. And we're doing, by the way, this goat uh, madness tournament, the greatest sports team ever. You guys could vote at SiriusXM Fantasy on uh, the SiriusXM channel that we're doing. But um, like the best teams have players that complement each other. It's not just people competing for, I want to be cleanup hitter. No, I want to be cleanup. I want to be quarterback. No, I want to be quarterback. I want to, I want to have, touch the ball 20 plus times a game. No, I want to. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work in business. It doesn't work in anything. It doesn't work in friendship. It doesn't work in uh, relationships, uh, husbands and wives and all that stuff. You can't have people that are the exact same. You think, oh, I want to marry the same, you know, somebody with the exact same interest. No, you don't. Fuck that. It's the worst thing you could do is marry somebody who's exactly like you. That doesn't work with people. You know, friendships, it works, but it doesn't work if you had to live. Like, you and I live together. Could you fucking imagine that? Like, that's, uh, we wouldn't be friends. There's no way. It's taken a long time. And I think people see maybe now, having done major radio for 10 years and have a good following and the very successful business and stuff. But, uh, I mean, it took a, it took 15 years now, Ted, for you and I kind of to get to this point where we're, I, I believe it's the, we are in the top three, at least is most sales in the fantasy sports industry. And we're making, you know, the sales of, of over $5 million a year with our company, which is, you know, very good. We never, people that didn't stick with us are not happy right now. No, because, yeah, they realized that they could have made a living doing sports and uh, be making a lot more money um, than they are making now, too. So it's a, a combination of things. Not that money is everything, but uh, it's 
pretty damn important. I guess that's the other side note is uh, we both grew up without money. So uh, people that say money doesn't buy happiness. Uh, <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. It makes the life a lot easier when you have some. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Not that yeah. I'm a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination, but life's a lot easier when you have money than when you're broke. I don't care what anybody fucking says. I, I am. And I'll say it's a lot better. <laughs> I'm just saying. I am just saying that's the way it goes. I mean, that's the thing is, but we're it's 15 years to get to that point, and we take it very seriously. And this has always been a job. It's like from when you and I were just uh, going and updating sites and giving, you know, write ups on players and rankings and all the bullshit we did at our football only site. And then when we got in, you know, started launching baseball and basketball and other things that we were doing. I mean. We sacrificed a lot, time with family and all this kind of stuff on this hope that our side hustle would one day pay off. And it took a long time. And people don't realize we made $0 for there, for from there. I got paid $25 an article in 2008. I think that's all I was making there. And it wasn't to like fancy alarm when I made, and then they only paid, I think I was only making a couple hundred dollars a month to start there. You know, and I don't think you were getting paid at all. Were you? I got paid. I got paid a little bit, not much. Yeah, they always paid. I mean, fast alarm. That's why we love those guys. I mean, they they did it right. They started the business and paid something that we certainly weren't making money at that point at Fantasy Alarm. It took a while for that even to build that company up, and we're very grateful, obviously, to that and uh, allowed us this opportunity. But it's pretty pretty wild. What's the next phase, Ted Schuster? As we begin to wrap up uh, this podcast, episode number seven of One Man's Opinion, like what what do we do next? Like, is this podcast going to take off? Is this the future? What are we going to end up doing? Well, first off, we'd like sports to fucking come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. First and uh, foremost. Let's all not die, number one, because yeah. that's very We're serious. not going to all fucking die. Now, well, I see another scare bullshit article on Twitter. Oh, they're all going to die. Shut the fuck up. You know, the the worst part is I don't like the, the data models that because I, I mean, we have one for our cash game breakdown and stuff like that. Um, I'm not the biggest numbers guy in the world. I could do simple math, but I don't really I really resent people in our industry that are pretending for one. They give bullshit, terrible projections to start that don't factor in a lot of normal things. They just kind of guess. And now they're trying to do that with like a virus like those people in my opinion, have a special place in hell because just stay the fuck out of it. You you know what catchers are going to hit in fantasy baseball. Good for you. You don't know anything about a fucking virus. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's um, – the other thing I would like to see too is the can we actually have testing for everybody? Just, an, just, just a thought because we have a lot of people that probably tested positive that aren't even – that end up being fine too, but that, that skews the numbers. But back to what, what we go from here, I guess. Um, what's the next – decade what i mean what's going on like uh, i mean your kids are growing up what are you going to do when the kids can't play sports anymore that's my big question to you that's a fantastic question um honestly i'll do either one of two things i'll coach somewhere <laughs> or Good god almighty <laughs> fucking or dare i say go the other side just to be the just to be that dick that has control of things i'll be a ref Ref would be a good idea. The, I, you know what? That's the thing I always uh, we the refs at the some park exercise, and, I, and I do give shit to some refs, and yeah, I, they do take a lot of shit. On some of it, rightfully so; some of it, not. 
but I feel like if I have the time, it'd be the thing to do just to actually feel to feel like to to, to have to rough like somebody gives a shit because there's a lot of them out there, unfortunately, that just don't care. The uh, I I will just beg of you, please, please don't become the guy that coaches kids that doesn't have any kids on or around the team. Those people are weird. I'm and maybe there's some. I I know a certain percentage mean well. And an equal percentage. You're talking grade school or high school? Don't mean well. Oh, grade school, like eighth grade and lower. Like it's it's fucking weird. If your kid's yeah. not on the team or you're not, your kid's not that age or what? Don't coach. It's fucked up. I, especially like park doing a high. If you're a high school coach, that's different. A college, junior college, something professional. But if you're coaching traveling team and like, yeah, I don't have any kids, but I'm coaching eight year olds. Eesh. I'm sorry. It's like the scout master that let's go to the woods. Your parents are staying home. Like that's fucking weird. I don't care what anybody says to me. That's weird. To an extent. I like, no, um, <laughs> no. I'll say that my son's travel coaches past season. Uh, oh God. Oh, he's boy. a, he's actually a younger guy. He played college basketball. He probably just got out a year ago. Okay. Uh, he blew his Achilles. Actually. He had, I think he has some G league aspirations. Uh, oh, so he, okay. he ended up coaching the boys this year, but he actually, I actually, I'll say it. And I never, he's never, he just finished playing his college career like two, a year ago. I actually learned something from him watching him coach. And I think mm-hmm. he did it probably because he wanted to pass the time and stay involved in the game. But, uh, but yeah, I, for the most part, yeah, if I coach. Okay. You, okay. If you're over 35, okay. let's just say that. And you're the guy don't have kids or whatever. You're just like, I want to coach the eight year olds. Like, dude, That's no. Creepy. Yeah. No, no, I get it. I had a coach in Little League uh, named Bill that was a college kid, just came out or whatever, and that was one of the best years I had. So you're right, but uh, don't – so don't be that guy. Go referee, Ted. Don't be a fucking coach. Your kid's completely out of the high school level. I can only – I guess the point, too, when your kids get older, and you you can only watch so much bad basketball. Uh, next pot, next time you and I are on One Man's Opinion, we got to talk about our ideas of – being kid sports and all that kind of stuff. Cause we'll get into it a little bit and where we differ and where we're similar and other things that other people who are going through this as well, um, you know, could probably identify with also. So that's that next stage of uh, when sports ever, ever comes back. I mean, gambling, is that the way how uh, sports betting? Is that the future? Uh, DFS will still be there. I mean, I think both, I mean, gambling is getting, I guess, uh, approved in more states, I guess. In a way, that there's not a lot of choices right now. I mean, we're still uh, still enjoying the horse racing, so you can find me over at the Elite Sports Betting uh, site in the chat room in the, in the vault, talking some horse racing. Uh, I'm gonna try and do it tonight too. Uh, not that people will probably hear Good. this today, but uh, we're gonna try and get in there this week to help out folks there. But yeah, I think DFS still has an important place out there, and it's still gonna be popular. It's not just sports betting because. Some people just aren't that into it, and some st- still don't have access to it. Can't you bet on sports in Illinois right now at the uh, land casinos? Yes, technically. They're have you sport. tried it? Uh, well, they're closed right now, but they're oh, so boy. ass backwards, and they haven't really approved stuff. It's technically approved, but I don't even know if it's legal. It's if it's been implemented because the state is full of shit. 
Jesus, what a fucking mess. One of the reasons I left. We'll talk about that. How the how uh we have a lot more ground to cover. I think we're just scratching the surface. But uh, we're going to wrap it up right there, everybody. Big thanks, obviously, to Ted Schuster stopping by. And uh, Ted, is it, do you feel more comfortable on the podcast versus the radio? Is it the same? What, what are your thoughts after? Well, it's, always a little easier. it's a little easier because you know you're not going to get fired for making a joke about Florida. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's another true story. We need to do a whole podcast, just serious XM stories, just the truth, the dirty, evil truth of all the times we've been fired or yelled at. I think people would be fascinated by that, but uh, we're out of time for this one. Thanks to Ted for coming in. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Ted Schuster, all one word. And, uh, and he needs haterade. Tell him smoky and fatty and all that shit that he needs to hear so that we could have good entertainment on the radio. We love the haterades. But uh, you guys may not agree with us, but that's okay. Why? Because it's one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!